views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. would have had serious consequences for the world financial system but may also have empowered the people of Africa, something black activists say the US wants to avoid at all costs We're slicing cake We're slicing cake We're slicing cake Gaddafi didn't give up. In the months leading up to the military intervention, he called on African and Muslim nations to join together to create this new currency that would rival the dollar and euro. They would sell oil and other resources around the world only for gold dinars. It's an idea that would shift the economic balance of the world. Countries' wealth would depend on how much gold they have, not how many dollars they trade. And Libya has 144 tons of gold. Good morning and welcome to Tando Radio Show on this Tuesday morning. Yeah, it's Tuesday morning. I think I'll, I don't think I've ever opened up a program saying Tuesday morning before. Um, but yeah, today's date is 5-29-2019. It's May 29th, 2019, this morning on Tando Radio Show. My name is Scotty Reed. Of course, y'all know me, and I will be hosting along with Pastor Keith this morning, this episode of Tando Radio Show. Um, just so glad that you could join us. Um, listen, please continue to support the Black Talk Media Project. I got a surprise donation the other day, and you know I just really appreciate everyone who you shares their financial energy so that we can continue to broadcast. There's going to be a lot of changes. I shouldn't say it that way. Um, there are some changes that's that's coming to Black Talk Radio Network. For one, we're no longer offering services to the public. Um, me personally, I had to just think about some things and some experiences I've had with with people in the past, and we ha- have to better control the content that goes out over uh, this platform. Certainly, you know, our enemies... Uh, control the content that goes out over their platforms. And it's, you know, this media I take very, very serious. You know, I was talking to a, a lady yesterday who was asking me, how did I come to found Blot, uh, Black Talk Radio? And I told her the, the whole story and she was like, wow, that's, that's interesting and what have you. And I did it because Media, like Malcolm X said, is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet, and it controls the minds of the masses. It can make the innocent look weak and, I mean, the innocent look guilty and the guilty look innocent, and that's power. I mean, that if that isn't a truthful statement about especially U.S. media, but other um, um, nations have 
they have now, you know, started getting better at producing propaganda or telling their side of the story because they know they can't rely on the U.S. media to tell their side. Um, give me just... Man, I hate that. I know people know I be doing... I be broadcasting in the morning Tando radio show and they calling me and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to answer that. It's just distracting. I should have turned my phone off. But anyway, get it hey, back. Hey, Scotty. Yeah. Scotty. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Pastor Key. Good. Hey, uh, it's Wednesday today. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is. <laughs> See, man... Um, y'all surprised me this morning about me hosting, man, and and I usually would have got up earlier, but, you know, I'm a late night worker, and I don't get up to like 8.30, man, and then I start going through uh, what I need to go, go through, and I, I went on BTR after I was, you know, doing some other stuff, and I was like, Scotty and Pastor Keith, I said, oh, man, I got to host this. I ain't even had my coffee yet, Pastor Keith. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I'm still trying to wake up, y'all. So yes, it is Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. Um, but yes, and so I was just mentioning, Pastor Keith, that you know there's going to be some changes. We're no longer offering services to the public because see, if we offer services to the public, that means we got to offer services to everyone by law, and we're not just some individuals that that are you know on the internet talking and what we're actual organization a non-profit organization and we have to have to guard our non-profit status and and what have you and and then some things are are just not cool and they are a distraction to our people and you know i don't want our people confused and 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 distracted and what have you. So, you know, we try to bring them news and information. So we're no longer, Black Talk Media Projects, no longer offering uh, digital radio streaming service or stations to the public. We're also um, not uh, accepting podcasters or anything like that on a, on a pay-per-play basis, as you might say. Um, but we will be bringing you new content. We got a program coming on right after uh, Tando today, uh, African Perspectives comes on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It's hosted by Brother Oshi. Uh, we actually started broadcasting that show uh, Monday. Uh, he's joining us from our Time for an Awakening affiliate, which is in Philadelphia. So, you know, I, it, 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 I'm just going to refocus uh on the mission of Black Talk Media Project and Black Talk Radio Networks, uh, going to start reflecting that. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there. And so, you know, the um, uh, donations, I've gotten some donations. Uh, you know, seems like every other day we get a donation in. But I got a surprise donation from some cousins of mine um, that live in Florida. But, you know, the last time I seen them was at my aunt's funeral in Detroit. And so, you know, people send checks and money orders at times. And, um, you know, so I had gotten a check for $200 the other day, of course, you know, made out the Black Talk Media Project. And, it's, and it said Harold and Bonita. And it had the last name. I'm not going to give you their last name out over the air. And then so it didn't register with me because I don't know my cousin by her married name. 
And it just in the two names, I was like, it didn't even register to me that, hey, I got some cousins named that's married that's Harold and Benita. And so um I found out that it was them. And that, you know, just kind of made my day because, you know, it's it's it, when strangers give you donations and support the work that you do, that's cool. That's cool. But when somebody who's known you all your life and they know you, they know you personally, makes a financial contribution because they want to see your work work continue. That seems spe- special to me, you know, um, because because that shows me that my family members, you know, support um, what we're doing. And actually, Harold is the first person in 2008 I had told that I was thinking about launching a black radio uh, network, but I got to develop the the uh, techniques first, the broadcasting techniques first, because can't nobody figure out how to integrate, um, you know, uh, digital radio streams with conference call lines and what have you. So, I find, so he was the first one that I had told about that, and he gave me encouragement and gave me the confidence um, to jump right into it and, and keep doing what I was doing. Cause he told me this could work, Scotty, this could work, man. I think you want to something here. And and so, you know, I just wanted to give him that, that special shout out. So again, but thank you, you know, to all the people who have donated all uh, through the years and what have you, we wouldn't exist if it wasn't, wasn't for you. I made the initial investment, you know, a couple of thousand dollars to do the development and research, but the donors have carried us through all these uh, 11 years, okay? Because it's even when we were operating on a capitalist model, you know, you pay for service or, or, or what have you, you know, a lot of us, we say we want, we going to buy black and we're going to support black and, and we all about the community, but those are just words and we don't put action behind those words. So, I mean, there's like plenty of, and I've even tried to lower the price so much that, you know, it's such a deal. You can't resist it. And you know what? Black people that are podcasters and and what have you still didn't come join our collective. So no longer are we even going to offer it to the public, but I'm going to start uh, recruiting hosts and developing hosts. And so, you know, we got, uh, uh, I mentioned African Perspectives, uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. We're working with NCOBRA, the reparations organization, to bring you, um, um, I think it's going to be on Monday nights at 8 o'clock p.m., but we're still trying to work out the details in in, in development. And there are some other people that I'm I'm talking to to bring um, new and fresh programming to the network. So that was a long spiel, but y'all have to excuse me because, like I told Key, I'm still trying to wake up. You know, I got my cup of coffee here. Let me take a couple of sips. <laughs> I don't know who that was that called me, but I'm going to have to get back to you. Um, now, also, you know, Tando Radio was founded because I came across the prepper community, right? And I was like, dang. It seemed like only white people are preparing. And, you know, they even have products and stuff you can buy and, and you know, uh, just something, an area that I did not see being covered uh, by black radio. We were not talking about survival gear. We weren't talking about 
preparing for different things in case the grid goes down or in case there's a nuclear strike in the continental USA. You know, just any kind of scenario, you know, Dave tries to cover it and we talk about uh, preparedness. But one of the things he talks about in being prepared is being financially prepared for when the system fails. And what system am I talking about? I'm talking about the Federal Reserve System that creates those Federal Reserve banknotes. And we also call them petrodollars. And petrodollars are, are only good if other countries use those dollars to buy oil. Okay, so now if that goes down or the currency gets devalued or whatnot, Dave talks about real money. What is real money? Gold, silver, you know, precious metals, things that you can take this currency or as Dave says, debt notes and invest them in something that is going to give you a greater uh, return. So check out prosperitymint.com. Check out prosperitymint.com before you purchase or get in touch with someone there. Make sure you tell them Tando Radio Show sent you or, or Dave, David of Tando Radio Show uh, sent you. If you have David's uh, personal information, which he does have some ads that's on the network um, where it's a phone number listed. I don't have it in front of me right now, but be, you know, go to the website, check out the inventory, but before you make a purchase, be sure to give Dave a call. Um, now, I do want to bring up uh, something from a, a, a listener who brought up, and it is valid. I get where they're coming from, and I want to address that. But first, let me welcome in uh, uh, Keith. Keith, we're going to the main topic today. Let me give out the main topic, Keith. Um, today's main topic is the world rethinking their relationship with the U.S., meaning the United States. Um, is the world rethinking their relationship with the U.S., and how is that affecting you, okay? So that's going to be the main topic, and, you know, we got a, a bunch of stories, to news stories to share. I shouldn't say a bunch of news stories, but we have a few news stories to share with you um, that does show that the world's relationship with USA, Inc. Um, is changing. They're rethinking you know, their alliances with the U.S., especially a good example of that is Iraq, Iraq, you know. So we'll get into that later. But let me give Keith uh opportunity to say hello to everyone and, you know, just tell us what's on his mind while I take a couple more sips of my coffee. Keith. Good morning. Good morning. Um, good morning. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough when you get this stuff spread on you like that, Scotty, so... I can relate. I was I was up a little bit, so when I got the phone call, and he kind of told me a little bit about it yesterday. But I think um, that's a powerful subject, and I think the reasons why it's so powerful is because we have to address it from the viewpoint of is the world rethinking? And I look at that as a different thing because of what you're saying. Um, American people are so unaware of what's going on around them. And we're going to talk about this world thinking, and I'm already at the impression that they've already rethought it. So it's going to be interesting. Yes, it will will be, Keith. Now, before we get into what's in the news, by the way, if you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 704-802-5056, 704 704- 
802-5056. Hit the star key twice to unmute yourself. Oh, by the way, in case, you know, you heard me mention African Perspectives come on at 11 a.m. They have a different phone number. Um, they have a different phone number, so but you will still be able to listen over the stream. But I will give out uh, that phone number. Well, you can also go to African Perspectives broadcast page on Black Talk Radio Network. It's the menu that's at the bottom of the platform where it has all the different names of the podcast or the radio programs, which should be producing podcasts, but some of them don't post their podcast. They just do live streaming. I I don't understand that, but that's a conversation I need to have with them. But the number for African perspectives is one two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. So that's two one five four ninety ninety eight thirty two. And I'll get that number out for those that um, don't have access to the internet and use the phone to call in and listen to um, programming. Um, I may get them to just switch and start using this conference line uh, for their main for their main number. So, but I got to talk to Brother Oshi about that. All right, so this question, before we get into what's in the news, a question was sent to me um, by a listener and I want to share that with you because I see where he's coming from. Um, a person was listening to Tando radio show yesterday and they sent me a message via Twitter and I really didn't understand what they were talking about at first. And I asked them for more clarification and they gave me more clarification this morning and I understand where they're coming from. Um, because I've said the same thing uh, myself in the past. So I'm just trying to pull it up, Keith. Um, give me a second here. Um, let me see. Because I told him I will mention it on Tando uh, today. So let me pull up the exchange. So this is the uh, first first thing. And, and, and why I think this is important is because we're trying to communicate information to the people who listen in a way that they can understand. Am I saying, am I sitting up here saying that the people who tune in are dumb and stupid or, or anything like that? No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, but you never know who's listening. All of us don't have the same uh, reading comprehension skill. Um, we're not all informed on the same things. And, and so it's important that we communicate in a plain way so that the masses can understand what we're talking about. You know, I've even read where Malcolm X talked about that. You got to be able to communicate to the everyday man. Um, I've taken writing courses. I forget the name of this national publication I used to write for. I used to cover the Charlotte area. It's been years ago. I can't even remember uh, I don't even know if the platform's still around, but it, it probably is because it was a big national platform. But once they you gave them a sample, articles and whatnot, they still had you take classes. And then I also took technical writing classes in college. And here's the thing, though, because I was reading this article the other day, Keith, and this guy was using, he used two words that I had never seen before, and I had to look them up. I, and, and, and you know, they were kind of difficult to pronounce. So this person writing for a mainstream publication, and I'm saying to myself, because I'm being reminded of those courses I took, 
Why are you using big words that are not in common usage? Who are you writing for? Are you writing for the elite? Are you writing for, you know, grad school uh, uh, people who, you know, have, who I don't even think they use these words all the time. But when you're writing for the public, you're supposed to write as if the entire public only reads at a 12th grade reading level. Okay? And so that's why you it, it's very, very constructive to be clear in your language and, and not use words that's not in common usage among common people. Um, so that's not saying anything bad about the people. We talk about the education system uh, in this country doesn't really, you know, educate our people, uh, but really schools them, as Dave said, schools them and, and what they want them to think and how they want them to think and they being the people. So anyway, um, yeah, this was posted on the tweet for Tando Radio Show yesterday. And so the question was asked, how did we get so far from the pursuit of replacing the system of white supremacy racism with balance between people, creatures, and things? So I was like, I need clarification. Can you read that again? He says, how did we get so far from the pursuit of replacing the system of white supremacy racism? And just a quick note on that, that's white supremacy racism is redundant. Um, Mr. Neely Fuller says white supremacy is racism. Redundant means that you're using the same words over and over. Like, for example, I heard the example Sharia law. Sharia means law. So in English, you're saying law, law. That don't make sense. You know what I'm saying? That's not grammatically correct. So, you know, but I noticed a lot of people say white supremacy, racism, but that's redundant. White supremacy is racism or racism is white supremacy. That's what I heard Mr. Fuller say. But let me read what he said, Keith. And then if you have any questions, how did we get so far from the pursuit of replacing the system of white supremacy, racism with balance between people, creatures and things? You get that, Keith? Uh, I'm not sure what they're asking. I I wasn't sure either. I had a uh, um, a clue because I know Dave's manner of speaking, and I know and he and and I think if you recall yesterday, y'all was having a conversation about equilibrium, talking about nature, talking about uh, people. And so they were referring to that conversation. I would have to go back and listen to the to that exact section. But like I had told them, I need clarification. Can you be more specific on the topic discussed or what you heard that produced this thought? Did someone say something to this effect? Thanks for the feedback. So he said, I think clarity on what exactly is being presented is the cause of my confusion. Clarity of definition on words is lacking. Okay, so let me say something. Say something about that, and it, this has nothing to do with what he said, but it brings this to my mind because I've been I've said it a number of times. If we are speaking the English language, then if we're using English words, okay, those words have definitions they have standard definitions 
And what causes confusion is when I use a word and I'm pulling my definition out of, let's just say, Webster's Dictionary or what have you. And you're using the same word, but you made up a definition for an existing word. You're making up your own definitions. That causes confusion. We didn't invent the English language, so I don't think, and we don't own the English language. And, you know, there's a standard dictionary that we all read from, at least I did, um, when we were in school, when we were learning English and we were trying to get the definition of words. So I always see the dictionary as the supreme authority on the definition of words. And if we change those word definitions of existing words, we're spreading confusion because we're not going to be on the same page because we ain't even in the same book. You're in some some other book that's not a dictionary and I'm in a dictionary. Do that make sense, Key? It does make sense. Okay. So you I, have to have a foundation of which to retreat. If there's, and, and, you know, the thing is, our language is very complex and it's always changing. And there's nuances uh, to it, yeah. So with that being the case, um, you're going to always have some miscommunication but when you do have that you know you're right you're going to have to have an agreeable foundation that you can revert back to for a common foundation Mm -hmm. in other words if i say it's blue and you say it's red while you think it's blue i think it's red but we can go to the encyclopedia and our encyclopedia spells that out you got to have that with the uh, dictionary or whatever else otherwise you're not going to get anywhere Mm mm-hmm yeah. So I had said, because I still didn't understand what they were saying. So I said, no offense, but you talking in riddles. There was a lot said on Tando. It's a two hour program about news and current events. And because I suspect they listened to another station on Black Talk Radio Network, the context of white supremacy, then I know where they're coming from. Uh, you know, when it, when somebody tells me racism, white supremacy or white, white supremacy, racism, I kind of know where they got that from, okay? And so, but I also mentioned to this person, this is not a copy. This program, Tando, is not a copy of the other programs you consuming. This is not a copy of the context of white supremacy. These are two different hosts, two different programs, um, two different people with two different experiences in just a manner of speaking and how they see the world. One of the things I've said this about Dave, Dave talks about racism, but he doesn't talk about it in a way that you, you, let me put it this way. Now, people who consume those programs or are familiar with Mr. Neely Fuller's work, you know the term codification. What is codification? Well, and what is it for? Codification is speaking in a manner to where, well, yeah, that's kind of confusing, Keith, because a code, when you're looking at a code, that means like, for example, when I was in the military in communications, 
we had codes. Maybe y'all saw the movie Cold Talkers, right? The Native American Indians that was cold talkers as they was communicating, you know, uh, positions on the battlefield and the Germans couldn't understand what they were saying. See, that's how I look at a code. Code is supposed to be a secret language that most people don't know unless they got the keys to the code. Does that make sense, Dave? I mean, uh, uh, Pastor Key? Absolutely. But another way that the word codification is being used is, is that, for example, Mr. Fuller has, has 10 stops. Let me read those 10 stops. It's called the 10 basic stops that victims of racism should practice in speech and or action. Number one, stop snitching. Number two, stop name calling. Number three, stop cursing. Number four, stop gossiping. Number five, stop being discourteous. Number six, stop stealing. Number seven, stop robbing. Number eight, stop fighting. Number nine, stop killing. Uh, Number 10, stop squabbling. And I didn't pull that out for this morning. It's just pasted on my wall. I pasted it to my wall years ago because I thought that was a constructive code of behavior. And like I told somebody else when I shared some of the 10 stops, about some stories where somebody was killing somebody else, uh, black, and I would put up the 10 stops, and I said, number nine, stop killing. And so, but I also pointed out to this person, his 10 stops are not unlike the 10 commandments in the Bible, because the 10 commandments say, stop killing, stop stealing, you know, things of that nature. And that's a cold of conduct, right, Keith? Would you agree that that's a code of conduct? Sure, and I would say it goes part in the Ten Commandments. I say it's a it's a universal code. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure is. That's what I meant. I'm glad you used the word universal because that's what I told the person. They said, oh, Mr. Fuller's 10 stops ain't like the Bible. I said, I ain't say it was like the Bible, but it is his Bible um, that he wrote. Um, but his 10 stops are like the 10 commandments. And I said that many different religions have a code of behavior and many of them talk about the same thing. Stop killing, stop stealing, stop, you know, this, stop doing that. Usually some sort of negative behavior and they promote a code of conduct to get you to stop. So, so it is universal. Like Keith just said, many of these principles or these stops or these commandments or these codes of behavior are universal across, across many different cultures. Now, I was going to say religion, but there are cultures that promote a code of behavior that has nothing to do with a religion or spirituality or anything. So, so I agree with you, Keith. They are universal principles or universal codes of behavior. So I asked the person, you know, I still need specifics. Otherwise, you know, this won't be a constructive exchange. So they said, okay, Scotty, uh, shouldn't you just take the opinion and think on it, sir? Well, you know, I think pretty fast. I don't have to take 24 hours to, to think on it. I just need more clarification. You need to communicate better. So they did. The word, they said the word they can be placed with who they actually are based on behavior. Now, 
I know what where they're coming from. Because I said to them, I don't like the word they that much either because they have names and they are flesh and blood. But we also have to understand that we ain't all in the same circles. We ain't all reading the same books. And so, therefore, we ain't all going to use the same terms to refer to. And all of us do not agree on what the problem is or who is causing all the problems. There's not 100% agreement on that. And and so, but I say I cannot make people use the same words I use or speak as I speak, nor do as I desire them to. Sometimes it's just a figure of speech. And the, and the person, you know, they accepted that and, and agreed with it. But I wanted to bring it up because it is important. Because, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, Pastor Keith and audience, I hear people say they a lot. They a lot. They a lot. They did this. They Well, who's doing what? Don't they got a name? You know? And that's why it's important, like, sometimes when we do root news stories. Like, for example, Pastor Keith, the other day, Dave had us play play the clip of that fiction author who was given a presentation um, um, to um, this institute, this this private military institute, and so we looked it up and we found they've been around since the 1860s and what have you, and we said their name and we told you his name. They when you say they a lot. And you don't, and people, okay, look, if I say the CIA did this, that, and the other, and we're still talk, having a conversation, I don't have to keep saying the CIA. When I say they, and then they did this, you know I'm talking about the CIA because I've already established I'm talking about the CIA. But we do have a lot of people who don't establish who they are and they just open up with, well, they is always trying to do something bad. They is our main problem. Well, who is they? Do these people have a name? Who is specifically are you talking about? Are you talking about the U.S. government? Are you talking about a terrorist organization? Are you talking about a think tank? Are you talking about an organization? Who are they? They have names. Because, see, it gives them, it, it, it gives them, whoever they is, this this air of uh, how can I put that? I'm trying to use choose my words uh, carefully. Um, it's just not it, you know to the casual listener. Let's say somebody listening in for the first time or whatnot, and we keep saying they and we not specifying who they is. Then that person walks away not knowing. Or, or missing an important piece of information. I may not have communicated that the best way, but Keith, did you understand what I was trying to say? Well, yeah, and I'll take it a step farther. Um, not only does it lack what you're saying, but it also has to bring about validity. Because we'll know that our illustrious figurehead president He'll get up there forever in a day and say day and day and day, but there's no validity of who they are or that those things even took place. So, you know, unless you specifically say who they are and you can validate that, you know, we can say they forever in a day, you know, and it means nothing. 
So yeah, I, I feel what you're saying. It, 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 it's necessary for effective communication. Yeah, because they can be anybody. Or they can be nobody. Exactly. Exactly. And then this is this is another sticking point with me as a journalist, as a citizen journalist. Um when they when the newspapers like I was reading an article and they and the uh, author of the article said that um oh, what was they saying in this article? They were talking about an unnamed source. An unnamed source in the White House told us that that um John Brennan or whatever revealed secret information or or whatever the information that they was talk talk talking about. Well, how something that you said Keith just said triggered that thought. You, I, I, you said that you we they may not even exist. So an unnamed source to me may not even exist. Okay, they usually will say something in the paper like um, this person so that they could speak about um, secret matters or top secret matters. Classified information is the term they use. He, he, He spoke on a condition of anonymity. Okay, and they don't give you their name. Well, you know, the people in the administration could have leaked that and it's misinformation. And that's why they don't want to go on record because they don't want it attributed uh, to them. Or, and this has happened before, there's been a bunch of plagiarists, um, New York Times and different uh, publications where people were, there was this one guy who was, I don't recall his name. Um, I do, I, I remember it was a black man. Uh, he was writing for some major publication and they found out he was making up stuff. He was making, he right. was literally making up stories, and and claiming he had sources, and then they found out that they didn't even exist. The sources didn't exist, and I think that happens more than we know in mainstream media. So that's another thing I don't, I take when they say something in the media like an unnamed source said thus and thus. I take that with a grain of salt, key because they could be making it up. They could be lying. Yeah, and, and and here's the thing, and that goes back to what you're originally talking about is communication. And the, the reason being is because the world that we live in, um, and it's becoming more and more common, because not too long ago when you're talking about the media, they had a whole lot more scruples, I believe. they It was always propaganda to a degree, but they had a lot more scruples. And now... There's just so you don't know what to believe. Why? Because there's so much lying and untruthfulness and everything else going on. Period. And then on top of that, you have the other side of, okay, do we believe this person or not? But by the same token, you have a lot of you have a lot of people being persecuted for telling the truth as well. That's true. You know. So how do you how do you pick and choose your way through that you try you try to approach it with objectivity you don't outright dismiss the information but you try to find something that corroborates it 
even if you don't have a source. And sometimes you may not find anything to, but but then that's when you have to have critical thinking skills. And let me think about this. Does this make it, make any sense? For example, Brennan is out there, and like I told a person yesterday, they were talking about Donald Trump's behavior. And, and then I was like, yeah, uh, and I was joking. I was saying, yeah, as a woman, could you imagine being, because she was talking about Trump grabbing women by their private parts. You know, remember the whole tape, Access Hollywood right. tape and all of that. Well, Joe Biden has also been called out for it, not grabbing them by their privates, but being touchy-feely and creepy Joe and, you know, smelling their hairs, whether we talking about women or children. I actually posted a good video in BTR community yesterday um, um, about that. And so, you know, the person tried to say that I was just part of, I was working for Putin and the Russians, and I was trying to smear Joe Biden. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't, I'm not part of anybody's campaign to be running a smear campaign. I would like to get told, get paid to tell the truth. If, if Bernie Sanders want to hire me to tell the truth about Joe Biden, I, I'll just gladly accept that job. Cause I'm not going to tell lies on Joe. I'm not going to make up stuff on somebody just cause I don't like them. I'm going to report what has been already verified. And, 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 and so. You know, that's, I told that person, you are allowing your bias to color your opinion on Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I said, I could see a SNL skit. This would be a perfect SNL skit. A woman trapped in the back of an Uber cab between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Could you, would you want to be that woman? You know, would you want to be that woman trapped in between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? And I was like, you know, they probably would be be each other's perfect wingman. I can see Trump telling Biden, okay, Biden, you come up behind her, grab her on her shoulders, and then start inhaling her hair, and then I'm going to walk up, and I'm going to grab her by the pussy. You know what I'm saying? So we had to set our biases at the door when we're trying to analyze and, and, and use critical thinking to find out what's truth and what's not. Yeah, well, and, and that, like I said, this was what we were saying earlier in this conversation, and that re, that is its requirement more in our society than it ever has. Everything that you hear has to be researched and validated one way or another, because people are just putting up. And the other thing is, you know, it's so important because. We are making decisions on nothing but what I would call blind leadership. Mm-hmm. I, I'll use uh, our politics again. They don't care what's coming out, right, wrong, moral, indifferent, whatever. They're voting along party lines. That's, that's absurd, you know, but it goes back to what we're talking about. You know, truth means nothing. Morals mean, mean nothing. Facts mean nothing. You know, you hear it on TV. You know, it says, look, you know, somebody told me the other day facts and opinions are the same thing. I go, you must be out your mind. Facts and opinions are not the same thing. No, they're but not. In the society that we live today, that's where we're going. 
Yeah, and it's entertainment. And you're right, Keith. Earlier you mentioned that back in the day, even though we were still getting propaganda and we were getting some fiction, um, I've interviewed former journalists about of uh, the U uh, United States, uh, F- the FBI and the CIA planting stories in U.S. media. That has always gone on, but outside of those propaganda programs, for the most part, journalists took their job serious, and they would, you know, develop sources and source their stories properly and. And, you know, they were masters at communicating that information. But now, today, most of the news media is is opinion. You know, especially we're talking about the cable news networks. MSNBC, they have a particular bias that their hosts have. CNN has a particular bias. Fox News has a particular bias. And their most popular programs are talking heads, giving their opinions about this, that, or the other, and not necessarily giving you facts. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I, I, I'm embarrassed to say that I fell for that up until recently. You know, I used to watch uh, MSNBC, and I believe that... Absolutely, they had a biasness, but I also believe that they were more truthful than than some of these other shows by far. More credible for, for me, yeah. For me, Fox is nothing but propaganda. You know, um, but even with that being the case, like you said, I came across some stuff the other day, and it's, it's like, look, MSNBC, you know, that's less than accurate. You know that's not true, but yet there it is. So, you know, again, we're living in a time, and what do you trust, and why do you trust them? It's almost scary. And I have to say, though, you know, one of the things I've tried to do is, I'm a human being, I'm going to make mistakes, I'm fallible like everybody else, and I may report something and get a story entirely wrong, or give you a wrong opinion. But I do my best to come back and correct that information and say, look, I found out that what I told you yesterday was not uh, exactly true. I have more information and now I would like to, you know, uh, uh, correct the record, as they say. Um, Yeah. So I didn't mean to jump on that. But like Dave said, you know, this program, we may plan to go a certain way, but it could change. It could change. But I thought it was important to address what that listener um, had had brought up uh, with me. And I hope they continue to listen. And listen, audience, if you're listening to the live broadcast or if you catch the podcast, you can leave a message on in the comment section of the podcast. You can email us. Or you could do like this person did and communicate with me through Twitter or join BTR community. Because some of our communications don't need to be seen by the entire world. You know what I'm saying? So that's why we set up BTR community to not only give people uh, um, a platform where they can engage in social media and not have their information stolen or sold or, you know, y'all heard all the stories about Facebook and data breaches and selling information and, and all of that. But some things we don't need to talk about on air. 
Um, we don't need to talk about it on these outside platforms because we never know who's watching it. And, and, and we know that the U.S. government, the FBI, other agencies have total surveillance of us. And, and so we need more uh, secure means of communications, and we provide that through BTR community. It only can be seen by the public if you mark it by the public. Only thing you're giving me is an email address. You're not giving me your phone number, your address, and all of that good stuff. And, and then I'm and I'm not even going to take your email address and sell it to some telemarketer or or, or what have you over the internet. And no, I'm not going to do that. You don't even have to use your real name. So I just wanted to get that out the way. But I, I just wanted to bring up what that caller said. I mean, what the uh, listeners uh, brought up because words are important but more important is you know the definition of the words that you using and we also have to give people room to be individuals but if you need clarification on anything that said call in and, and ask us i didn't understand what you just said can you give me more clarification can you say that in another way using a different set of words that i might be able to understand what you're talking about okay but what I think with this listener, Keith, and we'll we'll move on. Um, we're we're coming up to the top of the hour. We'll get into some of the news stories. But there is one news story I saw in particular that speaks to what what Dave um, said for the topic: Is the world rethinking their relationship with the U.S. and how is that affecting you? I seen a, a article the other day that I'll share about Russia telling China that, hey, we'll supply your soybeans and poultry. And I had wrote that, see, when the rest of the world is no longer afraid of the big bully on the block, talking about the United States, and they make a decision that, hey, we don't need you after all. So that's, that kind of speaks to Dave's topic. Is the world rethinking their relationship with the U.S.? And, and, and most importantly, how is that going to affect us behind these enemy lines of USA Inc.? So we'll, we'll, we'll uh, uh, talk about that. So let me go ahead and get through these news stories. Keith, did you have anything to add before um, I get into what's in the news? No, not yet. I'll hold it. Okay, okay. All right, so the first story comes from Reuters.com. Of top U.S. security aid, Iranian mines likely caused the UAE tanker blast. And see, you know, again, words and knowing the definition of words. A lot of people will read that headline and say the Iranians did it. They had put some mines out there and that caused the you. But you forgetting about the word likely. What does the word likely mean in this context of this sentence? I'm going to tell you what I think it means. It means we don't know. That's what likely means. We can also look up likely. All right. We can look up the definition of the word likely. I know what it means, but we gonna go to the dictionary. Okay. Bunch of free dictionaries on um, um, the, the uh, internet. All right. We're going to go to Merriam Webster. What does likely mean? What does likely mean? Come on load up Merriam. Um, likely. Definition of likely. Give me uh, the definition. Having a high probability of occurring or being true. Very probable. 
But then again, you know, there is it's also a likelihood, whether it's high or low, of it not being true is, is what I, if you know it's true, then say it. Say it's true. Say Lay out the evidence that you have. So, Keith, let's see if they laid out any evidence. U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton said on Wednesday that naval mines almost, again, these words, pay attention to words, almost certainly from Iran. Well, if you were certain about it, you wouldn't be saying almost, okay? And now I'm thinking about that Mel Gibson uh, movie where they was calling the one character almost. You almost got away, but you didn't, so we're going to call you almost. Um, But he says, almost certainly from Iran were used to attack oil tankers off the United Arab Emirates this month and warned Tehran against conducting new operations. So I don't need to go any further on that. We got, we, uh, so again, what are the keys to this story? Who's speaking? Who's speaking? What's the credibility of the person speaking? And what are the words that they are using? Almost certainly from Iran? Well, how? why are you saying almost? You can't be almost and certain. That's a contradiction. What do you think, Keith? Yeah. I, I, Scotty, and, and this is getting to be a circular conversation because it goes back to what you were saying from the very beginning. Proper communication, effective communication, and truthful communication. You know, um, it's kind of like an educated guess. Well, who is saying who's making that educated guess? You know? Now, if you take uh, talking about a scientist who's come up with hypotheses and come up with theories, and they're saying, well, I don't know, but according to my vast realm of knowledge concerning this, this is probably the case. But if you're talking about some joker off the street, don't read nothing, follows people blindly and all that, and he says, this is my education guest, educated guest, what does that mean? It means nothing. So, you know, yeah, it requires who's saying it and what is the basis behind what you're saying. What is your motivation for saying it? You know, what is your purpose of saying it in the first place? And all those things come into, you have, especially in our society today, because we are throught with untruthfulness. And we're throught with untruthfulness coming from places that should, by, by all counts, should be honest. But they're not. Are you there? Oh, I'm sorry. I had myself m- muted, I, uh, you know, because I try to watch my background noise and I'll turn my mic down when I'm not speaking. So I apologize, y'all. Um, but, you know, credibility is what we're talking about. That's why it's important to know who is this person communicating this information? What is their background? And we talked about John Bolton's background quite a lot on this program. So. You know, given who's speaking here, and I pulled up the rest of the article, I'm not going to read it, read it all, but I was like looking to see, okay, 
first of all, you said it's almost certain. Well, that tells me you're not certain. Okay. But did you recover some kind of pieces of this mine or something that has some serial numbers on it that you can tie it directly to being produced by Iran, which still don't mean they they did it. And then on top of that, Keith, the person he the country he's talking about, the UAE, hasn't blamed anyone for the what they're calling sabotage of four vessels. I'm saying, sorry, you were saying. Okay, give me. Jeff. I'm sorry, Scotty, say that again. I said the UAE. That's who John Bolton's talking about. Uh, tankers were sabotaged, likely, as you know, using their words, likely by the Iranians. Well, he's talking about the UAE. Well, the UAE hasn't said the Iranians did anything, they haven't blamed anyone. That's in this article for the sabotage of four vessels, including two Saudi tankers. And so, but of course, Saudi Arabia is blaming uh, Tehran or Iran for ordering drone drone strikes. And that, that could be true, but it also could not be true. Again, where is the evidence? See, what I'm trying to get people to understand is, just because, last day calls him, some celebrity figurehead working for the United States government has this title, uh, uh, has this position, don't automatically believe that they telling you the truth. In fact, I think it would be more, more constructive if you assume they're lying. <laughs> Especially if they got a history of telling lies. So I, I, I'll, I'll move on from that, Keith. I'm going to take a station identification a break and then we'll go through some of these other articles and I have to find the article so I'm going to take a, a short music break so I can find that other article I'm sure it's probably on my profile page in BTR community that speaks to what Dave is talking about here and, and saying ask, well he's asking a question is the world rethinking the, their relationship with the U, U.S. we'll take a station identification break uh, when we come back, um, we may have um, a caller on the line. I'm not looking at the board, but I'll come, I'll check it out. And uh, if so, uh, we'll give you an opportunity to add to the conversation. You're listening to Tando Radio Show. Um, it comes on Monday mornings through Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday um, at 9 a.m. Eastern time if nothing happens and we're able but we try to be here Dave couldn't be here today and as I told Dave in the past hey you also run your own business if you can't do the show just let me know you know and you know I think Keith does a great job in co-hosting and me and Keith will hold things down for you alright so Tando Radio Show we'll be right back on the other side
Since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back to Tando Radio Show on this Wednesday evening. This morning, I was so uh, not awake that I thought it was still Tuesday, but Keith corrected me on that. So thank you, Keith. Thank you for setting your brother straight. All right, so um, let me check the board right quick. Uh, I did find the article, and I will post it in the thread for Tando Radio Show today inside of btrcommunity.com. So I don't see that we have another caller. Or was that you, Keith? Did you have something? You there, Keith? Okay, let me let me move on. Maybe Keith uh, has himself muted. Um, so next article, I'm just go through some of these articles. Strategic Culture Foundation, you Trump's U.S. sad sadomasochist or just plain stupid. The Trump administration has shot itself so many times in the foot. It's a wonder it's still able to stand time and again. Whether to do with. Uh, whether to do with Venezuela, Russia, China, Europe, Iran, or the rest of the world. Washington keeps blowing holes in its own credibility and ultimately longevity as a global power. So there's that word, credibility. Credibility, very important, um, especially when it comes to news media, when it comes to governments, when it comes to administrations, when it comes to individuals, do those individuals have credibility? All right, next article. Um, China gears up to weaponize the rare earth's dominance in the trade world. So um, I think we shared this once before, and I do know it was shared. Ross had shared this in BTR community, and I said, well, first, let me let me tell you what rare earth minerals are. Rare earth minerals are minerals, and many of these minerals are only found in Africa, but there are certain types of minerals that... Uh, you need for technology for avionics avionics is the electronics that you use in aircraft that's that's called avionics i used to be attached to an avionics unit uh when i was in the military when i first went in i got attached to an avionics unit maintenance unit um so a uh, rare earth you need rare earth to produce like cell phones computers avionics there's just a whole host of technology that will not work unless you have those rare earth minerals. Well, China has pretty much quietly cornered the market on rare earth minerals to where they have uh, purchased the rights to mine and control rare earth minerals. So it's saying, when was this published? This was published 
uh, May the 28th, yesterday. So, um, you know, people are still talking about this because this is very important. Uh, Beijing is gearing up to use its dominance of rare earths to hit back in its deepening trade war with Washington. A flurry of Chinese media reports on Wednesday, including an editorial in the flagship newspaper of the Communist Party, raised the prospect of Beijing cutting exports of the commodities that are critical in defense, energy, electronics, and automobile sectors. The world's biggest producer, China, supplies about 80% of U.S. imports of rare earths, which are used in a host of applications from smartphones to electric vehicles and wind turbines. The threat to weaponize strategic materials ratchets up the tension between the world's two biggest economies before an expected meeting between President uh, Xi Jinping and Donald Trump at the G20 meeting next month. It shows how China is weighing its options after the U.S. blacklisted Huawei technologies cutting off the supply of American components it needs to make its smartphones and networking gear. So I'm I'm gonna stop it right there. Now, when Ross had posted this article in BTR Community, I made a comment on that article, and I was like, if I don't think that China will do this, China uh, seems to prefer other methods of warfare other than shooting wars. You know, uh, um, battlefield wars. They, I think I heard Dave when when I first got to know Dave, he would talk about the Chinese game of Go, and how Go is about controlling space and time and what have you. And whereas chess, you know, it's about making moves on on a chessboard, obviously. And but saying that Go prepares them better you know, for making these moves on a global um, scale. But I don't think that China, and I could be wrong, again, that's why I'm saying I don't think this is my opinion. I don't think China will do this. 80% of U.S. imports of rare earth, if they did that, do you know how expensive things will start getting, okay, and how that will hurt the production of the little bit of manufacturing that we do do in the United States. The United States government would interpret that as a threat to its national security. And it would be a true threat to its national security. And they will launch a strike, a military strike against China, thus setting off probably uh, a World War III. Now, Dave says it'll be nuclear war one, but I, I don't even want to think about that, really. Um, you know, um, could it turn into a nuclear war? Certainly. Will it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Just like I don't think China is going to cut off the supplies of the rare earth. Even just the threat of it gives them leverage, and that's possibly what they're doing and just reminding the United States, okay, you want to, this the move you want to make? This is the move we can make. You still want to, do you want to think about this? So I didn't know this, Keith, that 80% of the U.S. imports of rare earths come from China. Did you know that? Uh, Keith, we can't hear you. You call her 
Let me mute Keith and unmute Keith. Keith, are you there? Can oh. you hear me now? Yes, I hear you now, sir. Okay. I did, you know, I didn't know it was that high. But I did know that China is getting to where they're running everything globally. Yeah. Yes. Throughout the nation. You know? Um Throughout the world, you mean? Throughout the world, yeah. So you you were saying that um, you don't think that China will do this, China will do that. Uh, I'm in agreement with you to a degree, because if you look at China's entire history, they have never attacked an outside country, you know, as far as globally speaking anyway. You know, they're, they're pretty, they've been a... Um, isolated country. But now as we get to be more global, if you look at what China's doing, they're much more purposeful and considerate and they pay attention to what they're doing, how they're doing it, and they don't do things on a short, short term basis. You know, but with them expanding out the way that they are on a global basis that they are, and the world talking about world resources, I don't know exactly how far they will go. Now, Keith, let me let me restate what I said though. I didn't. I said that I was telling Ross and BTR community that China's threatening. You know, the fact that they control 80% of rare earth minerals exports into the United States. But I don't think they will actually make that move and cut them off. I could be wrong because they, if they're thinking logically, that would be like backing the United States into a corner. And we know what, what cornered animals do. They lash out and they strike out. And I and we know the United States has no problem using violence. It's, it's in their 200-plus-year history of attacking other nations. And to me, that would be that would provoke the United States to start a military war with them. Now, cooler heads may prevail and say, like, well, this will lead to mutual destruction or, or what have you. But I just think that China is just using the threat as leverage, but I don't think they will actually fall through, follow through with the threat because I don't think they want to get into a war with the United States, especially with the belligerent, warmongering uh, characters like John Bolton and others, you know, that is in Trump's administration. I would, I would almost agree with that. Like I said, I think they're much more deliberate but if you listen to their language now, mm-hmm. their language is getting to be, well, look, you know, whatever you want to do. You know, before they didn't speak that way. But now they and they get more and more bold and they're saying it more and more frequent now. I agree. You know? So, you know, I just guess like I, I think your beginning topic is is the world starting to rethink um I forgot exactly how you worded, but the way that they think in the United States. And I think China's part of that. And China's got to the point that says, you know, K Sara Sara. You know, if you feel mm-hmm. a froggy jump. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
let's see. We ain't, we're not going to get to all of the articles, but there are a couple of articles that's that's related. Like, for example, the United States uh, puts nine. Man, they're always putting sanctions on and telling people what to do, telling other nations what to do. Listen, the administration of the U.S. President Donald Trump, this is from PressTV.com. PressTV is actually an Iranian uh, uh, news outlet um, because I always like to tell people the sources and what have you. But this is the Iranians um, on PressTV. The administration of U.S. President Donald Trump has refrained from calling China a currency manipulator, but put the Asian country along with eight other nations on its watch list. Treasury takes seriously any potentially unfair currency practices, and Treasury is expanding the number of U.S. trading partners it reviews to make currency practice, quote-unquote, fairer and more transparent, uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Munchen said on Tuesday. China, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Japan, South Korea, Malaysia, Singapore, and Vietnam need close attention due to currency practices, the department said in a semi-annual report to Congress. The report, which was due in mid-April, was delayed partly because of the changes to the criteria used to evaluate countries, according to senior Treasury officials. A 1988 law stipulates that the Treasury Department report to Congress every six months on whether any countries are manipulating their currency to get trade advantages over the U.S. Designation as a currency manipulator does not come with any immediate penalties, but can rattle financial markets. The new report also said that two nations, India and Switzerland, which had been on the watch list issued in October, were removed. The Treasury Department is working vigorously to achieve stronger growth and ensure that trade expands in a way that helps U.S. workers, Munch and said. So, it goes on and on. It's about maybe four more paragraphs, but we're going to leave it there. I was shocked to see, quote-unquote, U.S. allies on here or alleged allies on here. I, I, calling Germany a currency manipulator? Okay, that makes sense because Germany is pushing back against you uh, um, and the Iranian nuclear deal that Donald Trump pulled them out of. Um, Ireland? Nah, I, I've never heard of Ireland manipulating currency. Again, but again, I don't know everything that goes on in the world, but Italy, Japan, South Korea, Malaysia, Singapore, um, you know, uh, Vietnam, but those other previous, these are all countries that the United States supposed to have a good relationship with. Now, I wasn't surprised that China was on there, but let me say this to the listening audience, and then Keith, I want to get your thoughts as well. I follow, I have been following Ron Paul since I came across Ron Paul in 2007. That's the former congressman who ran for president twice, and I voted for him twice in the Republican primaries because I wanted him to get the nomination. Um, They ran a a smear campaign against him. Uh, They definitely didn't want to see Ron Paul when he was saying, hey, we're going to eliminate the drug enforcement agency. Um, We're no longer, we're going to end the drug war. Uh, And, um, you know, I'm going to shut it all down and I'm going to pardon everybody that's been convicted. Um, of nonviolent drug crimes. So I've been following, that's what caught my eye on Ron Paul, but he also speaks a lot about 
real money. As Dave talks about real money. And Keith, he said something the other day on one of his broadcasts, and it was the absolute truth. He said that the Federal Reserve, and I guess, you know, you could say the U.S. government, even though the Federal Reserve is a, how should I put, an independent entity, which is not part of the U.S. government, all right? But uh, Ron Paul said the Federal Reserve manipulates currency. When they be talking about, you know, I read the other day Donald Trump was mad at the Fed because they might raise interest rates. And he was like, well, that's going to slow my economy down and, and what have you. And he was mad about it. But isn't that, in your opinion, what the Fed does is 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 currency manipulation. And they're admitting in this article that they do this to try to give U.S. workers an advantage. Well, how is that any different than what you're accusing these other countries of? Keep your thoughts. Well, it, it, they absolutely. Look, anytime that they're talking about raising the interest rates and all of that, who does that? Now, The Federal the Reserve. That- Right. Owned and by private it, individuals, and it's an entity that has never been audited. Well, that's because they can't be audited. Who audits them? Listen, when they decide to raise the, the federal uh, interest rates, et cetera, et cetera, which is exactly what you're talking about, right? Who do they answer to? If Who can tell them, no, we don't want you to do that? Nobody. They are an entity in themselves, free and clear from government, not free and clear from government. They operate under the confines of our government, but they don't answer to our government. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, they manipulate uh, uh, the market, and they do it according to what they think is best, and they answer to nobody. Mm-hmm. outside of themselves. Well, you know, they do have to, well, I wouldn't call it answering to Congress, but they are required by law to provide a report, as it was saying, every six months to Congress. Well, listen what you said. Listen what you said. I'm in agreement to with provide, you, though. Well, I know, I know, but I, I'm just saying to provide a report. But mm-hmm. that report that they're providing, what they do in that report they're not answerable to anybody. Right, right. I'll tell you what we did, but you ain't going to tell me what we're going to do. Right, like Trump trying to, you know, tell them, you better not raise those interest rates. You're right. They have autonomy in that respect. And that's what the U.S. government gets for selling uh, the control of their currency to private bankers that we don't even know who their names are. Do you know any other stockholders? Now, we we assume it's the Rothschilds and, and, you know, the usual suspects, but we don't have anything on paper telling us who the stockholders uh, um, of the Federal Reserve is, Who meaning, meaning who makes the profit off the interest rates uh, that the American taxpayer has to pay to the Fed. Yeah, the country sold itself. It sold its soul, and and they knew better to do it. That's why they was all done under cloak and dagger. But when they did it, they they sold their soul, and there's no way that they can go back and recant any of that. It's 
It's all said and over and done with at this point in time. It's a done deal. Now, I had also read, it wasn't just Ron Paul who said that that's exactly what what the Federal Reserve does is manipulate the currency. Um, but China said it as well. I, now I remember reading an article where Jinping had said that to them. You know, you calling us a currency manipulator. Well, what, what does the Federal Reserve do? I'm paraphrasing, you know, what he said, but they brought that point up. They're not stupid. And this, again, falls into the question that Dave asked. And what was his question? His question was, is the world rethinking their relationship with the U.S.? And another question would be is, why is the world rethinking? I think the answer to the question is yes. But why are they rethinking their relationship with the United States? Because the rest of the world is no longer afraid of the big bully, um, it, the United States of America Incorporated. They're not, you know, they're making alliances with each other and they're making moves to cut the U.S. out. You know, or to go around the U.S. For example, the BRICS nation that that Dave has talked about in the past. Um, last week we talked about them developing a new electronic. They were talking about the EU. We were. I remember I mentioned the EU wants to keep doing trade with Iran because Iran was still complying with the agreement. And, and and um the uh, what is it the atomic agency that oversees that have verified that they are holding to the agreement and they didn't appreciate Donald Trump just pulling out of it or the United States and the people um you know high up in government um you know had them pull out mostly his administration because Congress the Democrats were against that um but. Um, you know, this is why you keep trying to tell other people you're being hypocritical. They're seeing the U.S. as a hypocrite. You calling us a currency manipulator, but you manipulate your currency. Everything you telling us not to do, you do yourself. Okay, and and so you know, I think the answer to today's question is the world rethinking their relationship with the U.S. I think the answer is yes, because they're already setting up uh, financial mechanisms. Um, in order to do trade with countries, uh, among countries that have been put on these lists and sanctioned and what have you. And whenever I think about lists, man, I can't help but thinking about, you know, the Nazis in Germany. Are you on a government? You know, that's fascism and what have you. But uh, the answer to this question is yes. I think the world is rethinking um, their relationship. Now, Dave has posted some more articles about um what are rare earth metals? And I told you. Let me let me address something before. Okay, you okay, go ahead, guy. Keith. Go ahead. Uh, the, the question is: Is the world rethinking? Uh, listen, the United States has come out with "Make American Great Again," and the other thing that goes with that is "American First," right? So imagine. You and I going into negotiations, me and Scotty. Now, the definition of a contract is a mutually benefiting agreement between two parties, right? So I'm not going to go into a contract with you unless I can get something good out of it. And you're not going to go into contract with me unless we're negotiating, unless you can get something good out of it. And we can come out with a mutually acceptable agreement. Right, right? give and take, right. 
Okay, so the United States has come out with make America first, right? So that means I'm going to go into negotiations with Scotty. As Scotty says to me, I'm going into negotiations, but everything has to be made with my consideration first. In my favor. And he, Right. And even you, Keith, when you enter into this, this contract negotiation, you have to understand that you should be willing to sacrifice for my behalf. Mm-hmm. And that's the platform the United States has taken. It's absurd. It's utterly absurd. Let me let me give you an example of one of those those unfair, unbalanced contracts. So a few years ago. I had read that Liberia, that is the nation in Africa that was founded by white Americans that wanted to get uh, African Americans out the country, to get Africans, former, you know, uh, uh, victims of slavery, wanted to get them out um, after the Civil War. So that's how Liberia got founded. But anyway... And, and man, it was so sad when I saw the Liberian flag. Do you know the Liberian flag uh, is red, white, and blue with one star? It's like the flag is even communicating that we're a puppet of the United States government and we depend on on them. We're dependents. We're not really sovereign and, and what have you. It's just so sad. But I had read that they had found a pretty large uh, deposit of of oil off the coast of Liberia. And the Liberian government entered into an agreement. Of course, the United States government has something to do with it and, and what have you. But they went into agreement with, I can't remember the exact oil company. I don't know if it was Exxon Mobil or if it was, you know, one of the other major, you know, multinational oil conglomerates. I don't know which one it was. But look, Keith, this is what they said. We'll come in. We'll pull out the oil off out the ground that's underwater off of your coast. And we'll give you 5% of the profits. 5%. 5%. Of the oil profits that was going to come out of the ground from their territorial waters. I was like, my God, what is going on? Somebody must have been bribed to take that deal. Because it should be the other way around, Keith. If it's my oil, but I don't have the the technology, whether it's the equipment or the individuals with the expertise to pull it out the ground. Um... Okay, so that means you have something I want and I got something you want because I got the oil. Now, to me, a more equitable deal might have been something like, okay, we'll take 70% and the oil companies get 30%. To me, that would have been an equitable uh, deal, okay? Um, Or if I was the president of Liberia or whoever went into this agreement with this oil company, I, if I was truly working in the best interest of Liberians, I'd have been like, wait a minute, you talking about giving me 5% of the profits of my own oil? Uh, no. How about uh, we give you 5% of the profits of the oil that's pulled out the ground? 
because it is our oil. And, you know, we just make a deal with the Russians or the Iranians or whoever, the Chinese, to come in and provide this technology. And that is actually happening across Africa right now. Um, so, but that is not an equitable deal. And I just wanted to give that real-world example. Well, it is. And unfortunately, there's a lot of that going on in Africa. And here's the deal. It's no different than the United States. And what I mean by that is if you look at the the politics in the United States right now, I honestly believe that our politicians are selling out the country. And why are they? Because they are making huge personal gains. So they're making these huge personal gains. They're getting flat out paid. What do they care about the United States people? And you see that in our politics. Well, it's the same thing with Africa. What is 5% to that African leader, uh, African leader that made that deal? Liberia. Liberia. Hey, Keith, let's be specific now because Africa is a continent. It's not a nation. And we're talking about Liberia, a nation. You're right. Just just for clarity. Yeah, you're right. And unfortunately, um, you can't say that about all of them. But unfortunately, that same, what I'm saying is happening too often in too many of those countries. But you're exactly right. Yeah. So they're, 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 they're selling, they're selling out the constituents for personal gain. Yeah. I'm pretty sure some bribes happened. I'm pretty sure maybe some stock was exchanged. Huh? Because no leader in their right not mind of a people are going to take that deal. There's got to be corruption involved. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Let's and t- it's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. Let's take a, a quick station identification break. Um, I just want to share a couple of articles. Um, they're on a different subject. And then I'm going to share the main article that I think really speaks to the question that Dave is asking. Um, and some of these other articles have already spoke to it. So I think we've already uh, established the premise of the question and, and some of the stuff that's happening that makes us ask this question. Um, but uh, let me take the station identification break and we'll be right back and we'll get into uh, some of that. You're listening to Tando Radio Show. We on the Black Talk Radio Network. We broadcast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll be right back. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And welcome back. Real real quick, because um, uh, Carlos sent this today. Um, thanks, Carlos, for sending this in, this story in. Um, but it said it asked the question, doping soldiers so they fight it fight better? Is it ethical? The U.S. military is constantly using technology to build better ships, warplanes, guns, and armor. Shouldn't it also use drugs to build better soldiers? Soldiers have long taken drugs to help them fight. At a, uh, how do you say this word? Uh, amphetamines. Yeah, that's it. Amphetamines 
Um, and, um, well, my dad told me when he was in Vietnam that, man, that, you know, they would give him weed all day long, man, um, <laughs> what have you. So drugs have always, uh, people have used drugs before they go into battle. But is it ethical? Is it ethical is the question that's being asked. And so um, I, I, I can't, I don't really have an answer to that question. I, I have to think about it. I had to think about it. Um, I was hearing something on the line. Let me check the line. Um, okay, nobody um, has any question or comment. All right, so they're openly pondering whether it's ethical or not um, for soldiers to take drugs on the battlefield, all right, and just talking about how it has happened in the past. You check that article out. Uh, let me see what's the other one, and then we'll get into this main article um, about Russia and China. Let me close out some of these windows for my browser locks up and that starts interfering um, with the stream. Okay, the next one. Uh, let me see. The next downturn could see a radicalization of policies used during the financial crisis. This kind of speaks to what could be coming down the pipe. Policymakers pulled out all the stops to fix the financial crisis, but they may have to get even more extreme when the next downturn hits. Future crisis could see a radicalization of the types of measure taken to jolt the economy out of its uh, last malaise. According to an analysis by A.B. Bernstein, it looks both at the waning effectiveness of current attempts and shape uh, future efforts will take. That's from CNBC.com. So in a nutshell, what they're talking about, remember the global economy almost collapsed because of U.S. based banks taking bad debt and selling it off and, and doing it in a fraudulent manner. And then when that bubble burst um, and that bad debt was discovered, this almost crashed the U.S. economy. And it was mostly linked to U.S. mortgages. Not a single one of those executives or bank managers or, or and, uh, people who were doing this went to jail. What did they do? They got what? I don't know how big the uh, 2008 stimulus was, you know, um, but that's what saved capitalism. That's what saved, you know, they saved a couple of those uh, auto companies and, and what have you. Um, so they're saying that it's going to take more than a stimulus the next when the next financial crisis um, hits. Do you agree with that, Keith? That's yeah, Scott, I was actually looking at something the other day. And what they were basically talking about was when Nixon took the took everything off the gold standard, and they would say he didn't take them off the gold standard. Uh, that's kind of a side thing. But when he took the dollar off of uh, it being backed by the gold standard, and the world had to adopt that because the dollar was the world's reserve. So basically, uh, instead of things now, and now how it is, is banks can actually manufacture money. And the reason why banks can manufacture money is because when you go in there and you ask for a loan and they give you a loan, they're not giving you money, right? Right. They're giving you a loan and that loan increases debt and that debt is kind of like money. So they manufactured it because now there's more money. You owe us more money or currency 
and we gave it to you even though we didn't give it to you, but you got to give it back to us, they're manufacturing currency. So now what's happening is because the whole world is like this and the banks can literally manufacture money, you're looking at a global collapse that's imminent. Do you think that's why, like, um, we've reported different stories about different countries attempting to get their gold back or they're purchasing more gold? Do you think that's what they're preparing for, Keith? Uh, Both. And because when this collapse takes place, which is going to happen, like I said, it's imminent, right? When the phoenix arises from the ashes, or however you want to do it, what's going to take place after all said and done is the value of the precious metals. Because the currency, as we know it, is going to be all but abolished. Now, there's going to be another currency to rise out of that, but that currency, again, is going to have to be backed by gold and and precious metals. Would you think it's accurate if I said that the earlier earlier story, even though the U.S. was pointing fingers at, at what, about seven or eight different nations, but, you know, of course we're saying, and others have said, the U.S. is manipulating currency as well. How big of a role do you think that plays into the coming collapse with all this currency manipulation going on? And when we say currency, we should also, you know, say, use uh, another word for it, uh, debt notes. Well, absolutely huge. And the reason being is because if you look at what really started people getting so upset was it goes back to, well, there's a lot of things, but let's go back to your, um, your petrol dollar. And basically what was happening was all the petroleum in the world had to be purchased with the petrol dollar, the American dollar, mm-hmm. right? So imagine if, okay, I got to purchase the petroleum with American dollars. That's fine. But the United States, they got to use American dollars too, but they just print money anytime they want it. I can't print money. Why should I have to use the American dollar when those jokers are printing money with reckless abandon anytime they want to? I can't do that. Nobody else can do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was huge because, again, the United States just printed money whenever they wanted to. Mm-hmm. With no backing, no nothing. Well, we need more money printed. Well, it's backed by something. It's backed by bullets, bombs, and, and you know, soldiers. Well, yeah, and at one time, what what really held it up also was credibility. People believed in the stability of the dollar. But when you just print it at reckless abandon, that can't maintain. Right, right. It's unsustainable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, so last um, article... And this ties into everything about, you know, how is this going to affect you? But there's another article from PressTV.com. And we mentioned this uh, before, other reports about this as well. 
Um, but U.S. businesses have reportedly been voicing concerns against prono, uh, President Donald Trump's intensifying trade war with China, with major retailers such as Walmart complaining that tariffs are forcing them to hike prices on consumer goods for Americans. Now, I don't need to read the rest of this article. Um, we talked about it in in the past, but... When there, when when any when the Trump administration says we're putting tariffs on China, recognize that in fact what he's saying is we're putting tariffs on the consumers who buy the goods produced in China, because China is not going to pay the tariffs. Walmart is not going to uh, pay the tariffs. They are going to pass that price that 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 increase in price on to who the consumer that's just how how capitalism works so oh, and and it gets worse than that scotty and the reason why it gets worse than that is because let's take for instance you're exactly right now let's take this uh this farm tariff that they put on now we know that um it really hurt the farmer because they couldn't sell their products in it with a huge tariff. And what happened is really the United uh, China just says, you know what, we're going to stop buying them from you. Mm-hmm. So now they got all of this stuff that they can't sell. So now they're really hurting. And then, and then uh, wait a minute, Keith, wait a minute, Keith. I think it's important to talk about what products we're talking about. We're talking about pork. We're talking about poultry, chicken. We're talking about soybeans. These are all perishable items that, you know, it's not like I built a toaster and I can set my toaster up and leave it in the warehouse until, you know, th- the conditions are more favorable for me to see. No, that those organic products are going to rot in the fields or, or wherever. Exactly. So, now, because of the situation that they were held, uh, the United States took on a, uh, 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 a stance of they were paid subsidies for these things, so they were artificially held up anyway, okay? So now you got China says, you know what, fine, you do your tariffs, we're not going to buy them, so now you're holding all this stuff. So your losses are great. Now, because you're holding up stuff and your losses are great, now the United States has got, they announced recently that they're going to turn around and they're going to pay the farmers to help them out. So now you've got the product that was overpriced in the first place. They took the loss on it. And now not only did they take the loss on it and can't sell it, but the United States got to come out of their pocket again and pay them the money to make up for it. So you well, you're talking about welfare. Is that that welfare you was talking about the other day, the farmers? That Trump was offering? The corporate welfare? Yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, let me jump to this article, Keith, um, because this really speaks. This is China and Russia making moves to to, um, counter these tariffs. Putin says, this is an article I found yesterday on Reuters as well. Now, President Vladimir Putin 
said on Wednesday that Russia would supply soybeans and poultry meat to China. Again, China is a huge market. They got a a billion people, if, if not more. That's a lot of mouths to feed. That's a lot of people. Okay, that's a huge uh, market that the U.S. farmers and ranchers or what have you um, depend on. So Putin is saying, said on Wednesday, that's actually today, um, or is this an old article? This is actually from 2018, six months ago, uh, actually. But uh, pre- it says President Vladimir Putin said on Wednesday that Russia would supply soybeans and poultry meat to China and that the United States had effectively given up on that market. Putin was speaking at the Russia Calling Annual Investment Forum. Now, let me tell you why, even though this is a six-month-old article, why it's important. This was before the United States even announced these tariffs. If I'm not mistaken, this was before this trade war with China even started. So it seems to me that Russia and China was was preparing um, to cut the United States out even before Trump mentioned these tariffs on these uh, uh, exports and, and what have you. Keith? Yes, and they were doing that with several things. Uh, it goes back to the last conversation we were just having. A lot of that started with the petrol dollar because at that point in time, uh, Russia and China got together and they said, you know what, what we're going to do is we're going to start trading outside of the dollar. Right. So, they were already getting together to, 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 to come together against the United States and stop a lot of the stuff that the, that the United States were holding them to. Mm-hmm. So this, this seems to me that China may have saw, saw this coming, China and their allies. And, you know, food is a very important uh, commodity. So here's the Russians and the Chinese rethinking their relationship with the U.S., how is this going to, how do you think that's going to impact the farmers in the United States, uh, uh, Keith? Do you think that Russia stepping up to fill that void gives China leverage in this trade war? Well, sure they do. I, I, I think ultimately all of it comes down to the pretty much destruction of the United States because you know we we're being ostracized and we don't have nobody to play you know what I read an article the other day Scotty of what this article said listen to this okay this article said that half of the families in the United States are now struggling to provide basic items of survival in other words, you know, just to pay their bills with food and a house and stuff like that, half the families in this country are struggling with that. Half. So the question is, if half the families are struggling with that, how are we the greatest, the brightest, the richest nation in the world? How? And again, it's just, I, I, I think that's part of the lie and the resting on the laurels of where it used to be, but goes back to what you say. The United States people need to wake up and look at what's going on around them. Because it's going to affect us, Keith. It is affecting us. 
you're right. Not not going. You're right. Not going to. It is in the now, not in the future. It's affecting us now. So what I should have said was, it's going to get worse. Absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. It's going to get much, much worse, Scotty. Mm-mm-mm. Much, much worse. So the world is rethinking their relationship with the United States and what what's different now well i think that i think that they have advanced technology uh technologically and militarily and they made alliances to where the United States is no longer the sole superpower on the planet and they you know and they're going to be called on their behavior and how they treat people or other nations in in the relationships that they enter. So that's going to that is affecting us, and it could get worse. Keith, we're getting ready to close out the broadcast. Um, I got to get ready. I got to get dialed into African perspectives so I can broadcast them out over uh, our Black Talk Radio Network station. Did you have any closing thoughts? No, I think I just reiterate what you're saying. It's going to get worse, Scotty. And one of the things that you in the part, earlier part is how are you a superpower mm-hmm. when you have no credibility in the world? What is your circle of uh, influence if you have no credibility? And if you have no circle of influence, how are you a superpower? One thing that just came to my mind, Keith. I'm sorry, were you done, Keith? I was. All right. Well, thank thank you again, Keith, for uh, helping me, you know, co-host today. I'm going to go ahead and play, place you on mute because uh sound like a tornado in the background. Uh, make sure that you get underground and get some cover. Uh, I'm just playing. But, um, yeah, um, is uh, there's another thing um, that I think kind of ties into this, and it wasn't among the news stories, but I read yesterday that Iraq, Iran, and the Palestinians had some kind of meeting um, the other day, some kind of conference marking uh, some particular event. But what that said to me is, see, here's Iraq who the United States is based a lot of his troops in the in in Iraq if they're going to attack Iran with ground forces and even even um um well they don't really need ground forces or territory in Iraq to launch airstrikes cuz they can do that from air carriers and what have you um uh aircraft carriers battleships but that signaled to me that the leadership in Iraq is not going to side with the United States if they decide they want to attack Iran. And you sending U.S. troops into, when I say you, I'm talking about the Pentagon, the Trump administration, sending any U.S. troops into that area right now, man, you're setting them up to be surrounded. You're setting them up. The Iraqis have told you they want you out. They've been telling you that for for a number of years now. They have told you that they don't want, they're not going to side with you in the war against Iran. 
that they want to remain friends with the United States, but you are not going to pull us into a disastrous war where a bunch of our people get killed because you want to go up against Iran, which is our cultural and religious partner. Because the Shia branch of Islam is predominant in Iraq and Iran. So, again, you know, the rest of the world is rethinking their relationship with the United States and they're making moves and it's going and it is as Keith said affecting us and it will affect us um, thank you all for tuning in to Tando Radio Show we'll be back on air it's probably my fault I wasn't prepared this morning um, I'm sure Dave uh, uh, posted this in time he might have text messaged me about he wasn't going to be on today and I didn't see the message and so y'all just um, please excuse the rough start to the morning. I was not fully awake, but um, I am getting ready to start broadcasting African Perspectives that is uh, hosted by Brother Oshi. Uh, if you're interested in listening to that line until I can get him moved over to this conference line, uh, that number is 215-490-9832, 215-490-9832. That's African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Um, it will start airing live on the Black Talk Radio Network Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, so check it out. Um, also, you know, posting the podcast as well. Um, I got a lot um, in in store for the listening audience of the Black Talk Radio Network and bringing aboard some new programs and what have you. Programs I think are, are constructive and share information that we need. I don't always agree with. I mean, we're not going to agree with each other on one hundred percent of all things. But if you are sincerely um, working at your craft to inform our people and give us useful information, I, I'm willing to work with you. All right. With that said, once again, signing out of Tando Radio Show. Uh, Dave should be back tomorrow. If not, you'll get uh, another um, double dose of me and Pastor Keith. That said, y'all be safe out there. Peace and blessings to all. Gold dinar would have had serious consequences for the world financial system, but may also have empowered the people of Africa, something black activists say the U.S. wants to avoid at all costs. We're slicing cake.